Welcome to Songcraft. I'm Scott B. Bomar. And I'm Paul Duncan. Songcraft is the show that brings you in-depth conversations with the creators of great songs, from the ones you know and love to the ones you should know. Be sure to subscribe to the show via iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts, and visit us at songcraftshow.com. You're listening to Jackson Brown's version of Stay, a top 20 single in 1978 that was written and originally recorded by our guest on this episode of Songcraft, Maurice Williams. A multiple BMI award-winning songwriter, Williams is best known for pinning two R&B classics, Stay and Little Darlin'. The latter song first appeared on the Excello label in 1957 as recorded by Williams' own group, the Gladiolas. It was soon covered by the Diamonds, who made it a national number two hit on both the Billboard Pop and R&B charts. Elvis Presley's All Shook Up kept the song from the top spot, though Elvis himself would later record Little Darlin' for his 1977 Moody Blue album. Williams' Gladiolas eventually morphed into Maurice Williams and the Zodiacs, who topped the charts with Stay in 1960. Though the song is only 97 seconds long, its infectious falsetto harmony hook, Oh Won't You Stay Just a Little Bit Longer, made it an instant doo-wop classic and the record holder for the shortest song to ever hit number one on the Billboard pop chart. Other artists who've charted with their own top 20 hit versions include The Hollies, The Four Seasons, and, as previously mentioned, Jackson Brown. The Zodiac's original version became well-known to a new generation with the release of the multi-million selling soundtrack to the film Dirty Dancing in 1987. Following the success of Stay, Williams continued to perform with the Zodiacs, scoring charting pop singles such as the self-penned titles I Remember and Come Along. His May I became a million-selling record for the Zodiacs and a top 40 single for Bill Deal and the Rondells in 1969. Williams continues to perform and record and has been inducted into the Carolina Beach Music Hall of Fame, the Vocal Group Hall of Fame, the North Carolina Music Hall of Fame, and the South Carolina Music and Entertainment Hall of Fame. You know, when we did this interview, and we'll hear it in a moment, you did something that I don't think I've ever heard you do. Yeah? Instead of referring to the guest by his first name, you said, Mr. Williams, hmm. welcome to Songcraft. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah, where'd that come from? <laughs> I don't know. I guess I had a rare uh, moment of not being a disrespectful jerk. And, uh, <laughs> and <laughs> you know, um, it's funny you say that. I'm, I, I don't uh, remember that specifically, but... I would guess probably because this guy is someone who has been around the music business for a long time and, and mm. kind of commands that respect. You know, he was part of that whole early doo-wop scene that kind of gave birth to rock and roll. So I guess that was kind of the, the polite uh, Southern young man buried down deep inside me and then the knee-jerk uh, show respect to your elders kind of thing. Well, we haven't seen the young man in quite some time. But yes, both of us... <laughs> he's deep down inside, very deep. <laughs> both of us born and raised in the South. And yeah, right, I think... Right. I think we do know how to kind of speak to our elders. <laughs> but this was a cool uh, conversation. I, you know, th there's kind of a different rhythm to it when you're talking to one of these guys from kind of the old school. Um, right. A little bit more of a tight-lipped approach, not quite as much elaboration on the stories. You know, it kind of just really gets to the point. Which, yeah, yeah. I, But honestly, it's kind of charming. Like, it's, uh, it's just a, a different style, you Yeah, know? it's no nonsense. It's Absolutely. like that generation is like... You know, you ask me the question, here's the answer to the question, and, uh, you know, no need to overanalyze it or, <laughs> or you know, I don't want to uh, want to analyze the, the music to death or it might just lose the magic, you know. Right. Um, I, I do think it's kind of interesting that, that because of that, this is, I'm guessing, the shortest episode of Songcraft that we've ever launched, um, but kind of fitting because uh, Stay actually holds the world record for being the shortest song at one minute and 37 seconds to ever 
hit number one on the Billboard chart. So, you know, this yeah. is a guy that uh, I say what I need to say. I get in, I get out. Yeah, he gets to the point. And uh, I, I think it is incredibly appropriate that this would be the shortest episode of Songcraft to date. Yeah, I think that makes absolutely. a lot of sense. So maybe we should uh, take a lesson from our elders and uh, shut up and, and get to the conversation. Uh, I don't know, man. I feel like I have a lot more to say. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Yeah, well, let's, uh, you know, we can we can come back to you saying stuff at another time, but uh, let's okay. let Mr. Williams speak. Fair enough. All right. Mr. Williams, welcome to Songcraft. My pleasure, and please call me Maurice. All right. Thanks, Maurice. <laughs> Well, you were born in Lancaster, South Carolina, which is, of course, a very musically rich region of the country. Um, what were some of the musical influences that you were hearing as, as a kid? Oh, I was hearing uh, Count Basie, Ray Charles, Billy Ward and the Dominoes, Hank Williams, all that good stuff. <laughs> yeah. And, and when did you first get into writing your own songs? From the beginning. Really? So you were just kind of able to hear things and go, I, I think I can recreate that. I I would, you know, make up the lyrics, I mean, make up the, the melody and put lyrics to them and stuff. Hmm. Uh, that's where I did it. Wow, that's great. <laughs> and that was about, uh, I wrote Little Darling when I was 13. What? Wow. <laughs> I was about 13, yeah. And wow. I wrote Little Darling then. Stay came a little later. Wow. That's mm-hmm. amazing. Well, I understand that you and your friend Earl Ganey formed a, a gospel group called the Junior Harmonizers when you guys were, were pretty young, but uh, by high school, you added three more guys and, and reinvented yourselves as the Royal Charms. And um, now, while you guys were still teenagers, you managed to, to get an audition in late 1956 with the Excello uh, Records label in Nashville. How did, yeah. how did that come about? Well, that... Uh the radio station at the time I listened to was playing uh, rhythm and blues music that we all love uh, was based in Nashville, Tennessee. Okay. Uh, WLAC. Right. Uh, you remember John Hook and all of the guys? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, were you around? <laughs> that, was, that was before our time, but we're both Nashville yeah. natives, so we I've heard about John R. and, and all those guys. All those guys, yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, well, that's, that's sort of beginning. Yeah. And uh, what we did, we found out they had a label, so I contacted him. And he got me set up with uh, Nashville Exono Records, uh, so Ernie Young, okay, owner, yeah, and I called over there and and got us an interview set up, and so we headed to Nashville. Wow! <laughs> and uh, so we met uh, John Armadison. Wow! You guys had a a car, like, you know, your your young guys, yeah. teenagers. Did you just take yeah, a bus? Yeah, uh, I was the youngest thing in the group. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I went to Nashville. 
I think the the days have changed when somebody could call up a record label and actually get an audition over yeah. the phone. That's a, it definitely a, harkens from a different time. <laughs> oh yes, definitely. <laughs> well, and and obviously that audition went well uh, because you guys ended up recording Little Darling. A little darling. Now, you mentioned that you wrote that when you were really young, um, but what was the inspiration for writing that song? Oh, I thought I was in love with two girls. At <laughs> <laughs> same time. And to me, I was. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and, uh, was she 13, too, or was she a little <laughs> older? I came up with that. Where are you? I was wrong to try and love, too. Right. And all that. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. You know, you know what's amazing? Was you know you wrote that as a thirteen year old, but but in a way the, the mind of a teenager is kind of what you want to reach when you're writing a love song. This is true. I never thought about that, but I learned that this is so true. Yeah, so I yeah. was on the right track. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't know it. <laughs> now, did did Ernie Young get involved in in helping you guys with the arrangement and production, or did you pretty much just record the song as you'd written it? No, he he changed it. Uh, he he said he liked the song and. Uh, and it was in the beginning. It was a straight song. Oh, little darling, dum dum, dum, dum dum, little darling, boom boom, like that, you know. Yeah. yeah. It's a more like a Benny King type thing. Yeah. <laughs> and he said, "Let's make it calypso." He said that was popular somewhere. He said it was popular. <laughs> yeah. <And> so <laughs> he said, "Change the beat." And make it a Calypso Mexican type thing and chop your lyrics and add these castronets to it. Yeah, yeah. So I put the castronets on the beginning and um, I put the thrill on the piano, you know, and then, you know, all that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. The come came from uh, 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 trying to sound like a Mexican group. Right. You know, and uh love Mexican groups. I love Mexico. Mm. Uh, no offense, and we said, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. That's what we all, all heard, and so I put that on the beginning of the song. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah. Anyway, the high part, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. right. Yeah, it makes sense when you think about it. That's yeah. funny. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, by the time that record came out, the Royal Charms had become the Gladiolas. Why, why the name change? The name change was, of course, Ernie Young, the owner of the music publishing company and the record label and the whole world. He he liked flowers, he said. <laughs> uh, he, he was right about this. It was a lot of groups being called uh, Charms. Okay. And uh, you had Otis Williams in Charms. Mm. And you had uh, the five-year-olds. Mm, yeah. Uh, all, it was... The name has been used in different ways. Yeah, sure. So he said, let's change it to the Gladiolas. Well, Gladiolas worked out. I mean, you could have been the Tulips or something. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) 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 All we want to do is make a record, man. 
often happened in those days uh, a major label group seized on an independent release and, and rushed out a cover version that outperformed the original on the charts and you know while your version ultimately went to number 11 on the R&B chart and number 41 on the pop chart a white Canadian group known as the Diamonds did their own version on Mercury Records which went to number two on both the Billboard R&B and pop charts um, and stayed there for for eight weeks I think it was I love What did you think of the Diamonds version? I loved it. Yeah. Because yeah, I, I was into better sound, and things being correctly done, and all that good stuff. Uh, they had better quality sounding because they had a better studio equipment and all that. So they they theirs came out sounding um, clear, better, and everything than ours did yeah. because of that. Yeah. And of course, Marker Records at the time they had a, a larger dis- distribution. And we know distribution is the key is to yeah. making the money thing. Right, right. So they, they put it everywhere, and that's, that's how they got to, to make the top of it. But I loved it as a songwriter. Yeah. Because yeah. the thing came in <clears throat> and said, uh, back then you had to get permission from the writer and the publisher. Right. So at the time, you know, Ernie Young was a publisher, I was a writer. He said, well, if you let them record the song, say, you'll be getting songwriters royalties the rest of your life. Hmm. And uh, he was so true. That was so, so right. Yeah. And so back then we shared everything. So I asked the guys, they said, shoot, it's your song, so let them do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so we, <laughs> we, let, we let Dave does do uh, Little Darling. That's how that came about. Yeah, yeah. And me and Dave Summerfield became close friends. Well, the the Gladiolas released three more singles for Excello, all of which you wrote by yourself, including the excellent Hey Little Girl. Hey, 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 little girl. Why do you cry, little girl? Did he tell you goodbye, little girl? And I wanted to ask you, you know, in the 1950s, uh, African-American songwriters recording for white-owned labels unfortunately had to be very careful about copyright ownership and royalties in terms of, you know, getting the proper ownership, holding on to the ownership, getting the right kind of credit. And you had mentioned talking with Ernie Young about these um, you know, songwriting credits. And I understand that he was, for that era, 
pretty unusually fair with you about those about those kind of yeah, issues. Yeah, well, he was. He was a Christian-hearted man. Hmm. Yeah. And I grew up in the church and was very inquisitive. So, for he could have took the whole song. Yeah. He, he taught me how to keep the song. Wow. And that went in future songs. He started teaching me about uh, publishing. Hmm. And all that good stuff, and I, I found out where the money is, you know. Right. And I said, okay. <laughs> and so I learned to do all that, and held on to my song. Yeah. To this day, still on it. Yeah. Still on the copyright. It's pretty, pretty amazing how the 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 kindness and the fair dealing of one person at the right moment really can change the course of your life. Definitely. Mm. Well, you guys did ultimately part ways with the Accelo label, and since Ernie Young owned the name Gladiolas, you eventually reinvented yourselves as the Zodiacs. Um, and you recorded some singles for regional labels in 1959 and 1960 before connecting with Herald Records in New York to release Stay, which would go on to hit number one on the Billboard chart in 1960. <laughs> How did you guys hook up with that label? Okay, it was a bunch of college guys down in um, hmm. Columbia, South Carolina. Okay. Right. That got us down to the college there, University of South Carolina. Started playing a lot of frat parties. Okay. So it was uh, Phil Garnhard and John McCullough. Okay. Uh, they produced it, and they, they took it to New York and knocked on every door there, and the, all I was accepted was uh, Harold, Harold Ember. Okay. Harold Records and Ember Records. Right. Well, they accepted stay. He told them to take it back and have them sing a slide and all this stuff and make it shorter hmm. for airplay, which it, it did, and it, it really helped. Yeah. You know, they say, sing it a little flatter, and then uh, we, that sort of ticked us off. We didn't, we strictly out of the glee club doing everything correctly vocally. Yeah. And uh, he's just saying it flat. I said, whoa, what a change. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but this, this was to make it sell, to say, because the average man in the street sing along to it. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> they don't sing in key. <laughs> and so they make, sing it flat a little bit, make it a little bit flat, not ridiculous. Right. You know? <laughs> and uh, so they can hum along and make it short to get airplay. Wow. Interesting. And so that's what we did, and that, it worked. <laughs> so the, the, the shortest song ever to hit number one on the Billboard Pop Charts was actually written intentionally to be short. That's interesting. Yes. <laughs> well, you know what? I guess they can play it a lot more times, too, if it's shorter. Mm -hmm. You get a lot more it plays worked. that way. It really worked. Wow. <laughs> I um, just did an interview with a, uh, a guy uh, called Boogeyman down in South Carolina. He and he was talking about this uh, short, how that happened. So he would always put that on when they had to make a quick, quick stop. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, and, and run right back. <laughs> right. <laughs> Just need to buy a little time. Put that one on. <laughs> That's so right. that, it worked. It worked for everything yeah. he did. 
yeah, yeah. Well, I understand that Stay had actually been written much earlier. Um, why had you not previously recorded it on Excello, and, and what made you decide to, to resurrect it when you did? Uh, we were looking for songs right, uh, when at the teller had took his name back. I had a bunch of songs. Yeah. And uh, when they took the name Gladiolus back, you know, which, and, and Phil Gonhart, John McCullough, and University of South Carolina, they like Stay. Right. You know, because uh, they said, let's do that one. Yeah. You know, so that's how that came about. Uh, you know, Herald Records released some additional singles by the Zodiacs, including your original songs, Come Along, and I Remember. Both of those songs charted, but they only made it into the 80s in the pop rankings, and they didn't really crack the R&B charts. You know, you were touring and making a good living with the band, but I wondered, as a songwriter, did you feel pressure to kind of come up with something that would be another big hit? Yeah. Yeah. I did. When we did the album, the Stay album, he wrote it. They write me one, and I had about a week to do this. Wow. (laughs) Jeez. Because he wanted to release it right away. Yeah. I said, oh, God. <laughs> they just, he said, right where well, I like to stay, call it something else. Uh, I wow. thought that was dumb. <laughs> but I did it, and now you got come along. Yeah, come along. You know, yeah. that's where that came about. Right, right. Wow. And a bunch of more. And I did it all in a week. We came out on time, a couple of weeks at, at the most. Yeah. And he released it. Wow. And, but he didn't promote it. You know? Yeah. So you can't do that. That don't work. Well, yeah, it takes more than just writing the song, doesn't it? There's a, yeah, there's a whole process right. to making a hit. He had to, to do his part, the, 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 the record company, and promote, you know? Yeah. yeah. So, but he didn't do that on that, mm. on that album. Well, the Zodiacs would, would go on to record for several labels in the 1960s, but one of the, the standout gems from the middle of that decade is another of your original songs, May I, which was produced by Marshall Seahorn and Alan Toussaint. Um, and that was leased to, to VJ Records, but the label went bankrupt, and the, the top 40 hit version ended up being recorded several years later by Bill Deal and the Rondells. <laughs> understand that your own version still managed to sell a million copies, even though it did not chart. How did that come about? Uh, well, uh, what what uh, Al, not Al, but Marshall, Seahorn, and, and Alan Toussaint did, they came over their own label. Right. 
and they put it on their own label called oh. Ditsu. Ditsu. And, uh, and uh, that's how they got the hit out of it. Oh, I see. But they had put it with VJ uh, Records. Right. Time they who signed the contract with it, they went out of business. Oh, Jesus. Oh, <laughs> and that was that was in the night. They went out of business. The, yeah. the trials and tribulations of, of the music business. Quite a bit. Quite it's, a bit. It, it's interesting to me how you know a, a record like that could go on to sell a million copies, even though it doesn't hit the the national charts. Because in those days, you could have these regional hits where certain stations and certain markets would play stuff and sell a ton of copies. And and uh, you know nowadays everything is so about the only the national scene. But you had those local music scenes back then. It was it was it's interesting to look at because it's so different from now. Yeah, it's correct. It's correct. Well, one of the later Zodiac singles was your self-pinned Return, which featured Gladys Knight and the Pips on background vocals. Gladys is one of my favorite singers of all time. I'd love to hear a little bit about that song and how Gladys and the group ended up recording it with you. And she's a sweet lady. Mm. You, you, you say, how did it come about? Yeah, how did that come about? Oh, yeah, yeah well, Marshall Seahorn had them on the contract. Okay. He did some of that first stuff. Mm. And uh, when we went to New York, he had, uh, he had them to back back me up on that return thing. Okay. You know, and that's how they, he already had to deal with them. Yeah. So that was easy for me to Now yeah. you were around a lot of singers and musicians at the time. Did, did Gladys seem like she had something special even early on? Yeah. Yeah. Man, yeah. <laughs> See, I was raised in church. Okay. Right. Yeah, she's and, a gospel um, singer, basically. Yeah, yeah. And uh, she, I could tell that right away. Mm. <laughs> he had gospel right. all over yeah. <laughs> and still do yeah, yeah. Sure. if you listen to a song and such a sweet girl mm. yeah um, I want to talk about Elvis for a moment his record of All Shook Up uh, was the song that kept the Diamonds version of your song Little Darlin' out of the number one slot on the Billboard charts in 1957 and then when your version of Stay hit number one in 1960, it was there for a week before it got bumped out of the top spot by Elvis's Are You Lonesome Tonight? So on the one hand, you kept getting thwarted by Elvis, uh, but then Elvis ended up cutting Little Darlin' on his 1977 LP, Moody Blue, which turned out to be his final album. Um, when did you first find out that, that your song had been recorded by one of the most popular rock singers of all time? Ernie Young, them. Mm, right. Uh, uh, Nashville Records, they call me. Wow. That he had, that he had recorded. He he did it live, didn't he? Yeah, I have a forty-five of that actually. Uh You know, and uh, you know, Bruce Springsteen did little did Maya. Yeah, he did that. I wanted to make sure I throw it in because yeah. I keep forgetting. Yeah, definitely noteworthy. What what did hmm? you think uh, when you heard Elvis's version of Little Darling? I laughed my butt off. <laughs> <laughs> Play thing, you know, <laughs> right. to hold the mind, your little foot. I mean, hand. 
that, that's what tricked, that's what knocked me down. Right. That was so funny. I thought it was beautiful. I said, "Well, now I got a chance to meet him." Yeah, and, and did you? No, right oh. after that he passed away. Yeah. I, I was really wanting to meet him. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of a, a, a rite of passage, you know, for a songwriter to, to have yeah. Elvis cut one of their songs, for sure. Man, yeah, and the brutes doing May Eyes. Absolutely. Uh, something too. Well, you know, like, like Little Darlin', uh, going back to Stay for a moment, uh, that's one of those songs that's that's had a long life. Both of those songs have, have had a long life. But uh, Stay was the Hollies' first top ten hit in the U.K. in 1963. Uh, Frankie Valli and the Four Seasons had a, a memorable hit version with it in 1964. And then, of course, Jackson Brown revived it in the 1970s as a top 20 single from his Running on Empty album. Dirty Dancing, Stay sold a bazillion copies <laughs> thanks to that soundtrack in 1987. Um, now, I'm sure that that is probably your most lucrative copyright, and I'm curious, how involved do you get on the business side of how and, and when your songs get used? Oh, well, me and the publisher work hand in hand. Okay. You know, uh, in Stay's case, uh, Curio Music in New York City uh, publishes for it. Yeah. And we walk kind of, they call me and tell me what, what's going on about it and so and so and so I want to use it for a soap commercial or whatever. Yeah. And I agree, say, yeah, that sounds good. Yeah. You know, and uh, that's how it goes. Yeah. So they, they get the request and then you kind of, they consult with you and you decide if it's something that you yeah, want to agree to. Yeah. 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 Huh. And you say, just spell my name right on the checks. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, I feel like that little darling, and I'm I'm not quite placing it, but I feel like there was a, a a commercial on television years ago that was they used that song and maybe changed the lyrics to it. I can't, but I'm trying to remember what it was. It was a big TV commercial. You know what I'm talking about? Chicken Little was one. Maybe Chicken Little, a Chicken Little. Yeah, that's great. Remember that, that's the one, I believe. Yeah, I think that's probably it. <laughs> yeah, that was a chicken noodle. <laughs> right. I thought that was cute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, in in the midst of all these advertising opportunities, you know, Maurice Williams and the Zodiacs are still performing, and you recently released a new CD called 50 Years. Are you still writing new songs? Every now and then, I, I, I do one for the hell of it. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but you're, not, you're not feeling that pressure anymore? No, no, no. That's good. <laughs> Just well, see, I was writing, well, I was writing back then. I would get up every day and it was like going to a job. Oh, wow. I was a coffee and piano and wow. all that stuff. That's who I was doing it. Yeah. So it wasn't too hard to do the, do that album uh, and have it out in, in two weeks' time. Wow. Because <laughs> I, I, I had songs. Yeah. Wow. You know, anyways. Yeah. On the tape recorder and uh, so... It's brought them alive. It wasn't hard at all. Yeah. And you, and you still sit down at the piano with that pot of coffee when you're creating? 
Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, soda, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, I do it. Well, we want to thank you for a lot of years of uh, of great music, and it's cool that you're still doing it. Oh, man. I'm, oh, yes. God-given. I take that to us. I love it. I mm-hmm. love it. I really appreciate you guys for letting me be on the show. Yeah, yeah thank pleasure. you so much. Thank you for listening. To find out more about our guests, stream episodes, get a sneak peek at upcoming interviews, or to contact us with your feedback, visit songcraftshow.com. While you're there, sign up for our mailing list so you can stay up to date with everything that's happening in the Songcraft universe. We'd love to stay connected with you, so please like our Facebook page at facebook.com backslash songcraftshow. And if you enjoy what we're doing here at Songcraft, please take a moment to leave us a rating and review on iTunes, which truly helps potential listeners discover these conversations. And we look forward to getting together with you again for the next episode of Songcraft.